0: Hey Jason, how have you been? I'm good, Chris. How about you? Oh, good.
1: Welcome to Leading is Serving. Hey, thanks. Glad to be back. Yes. I've been on a little bit of a vacation with my family. You have. I say family is in kid-free vacation.
0: Uh, <laughs> and I'm sitting here upset that I didn't get to go. I know. You were rather I, bitter about that. I was bitter. <laughs> but that's but okay. Now that you're back.
1: We traveled with some friends of ours from years back, uh, you know, from when we lived in Colorado. Yeah. So I'm just saying we have more like friend slots available. Okay, good. In our lives. Okay. okay, If you want to go on vacation,
0: we're glad to do that. Okay, that's good. I just (laughs) wanted to go to the beach. I I, I do enjoy hanging out with you, but I wanted (laughs) to go to the beach. It was nice. It was
1: nice. This was one of the first places we've been that had little like, um, uh, like grass roof shelters on yeah. the beach. Yeah. And they had these, um, I mean, they're literally like beds. Hmm. And so it was that, it was like big canvas colored foam right. beds yeah, rather than lounge chairs. Huh. And so beds with pillows and it was really? maybe the most comfortable. It was cool. Huh. And so, you know, we had shade and yeah. That's awesome. Saw the biggest stingray I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah. Like like is like big enough that we could each grab onto a wing on either side of the head and ride it kind of thing. Oh my goodness. It was massive. And it scared the the, the life out of me (laughs) because I was right over and I was like, Oh look, that rock looks like it has a face. And then I went, (laughs) (laughs) and panicked and like, "Ah." so it was massive. It was just so majestic though. It was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so, so I'm sorry. That was, I just kind of totally no, no, commanded you, the first minutes I of the podcast, but it, yeah. It, vacation It made cool. me want
0: to go on vacation even yeah. more. <laughs> what, did, what did you do during that week? <laughs> I worked. But I, I mean, it was, it was work week. It wasn't as pretty as sitting on a beach, but that's okay. Right, right. But hey, you but know, you, it I is mean, what I mean,
1: if we go back a few episodes, you went to Florida without me, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sure I did. Yeah, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do we get to talk about today? Cuz I, w- I want to get started on this. Like, yeah. Let's let's um let's dive into some of this important information cuz uh, Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well, um we want to I want to go
0: back and kind
1: of talk through the five voices again.
0: Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of friends about this. Yeah. And and I'm glad we're reviewing this because it definitely comes up in conversation multiple times. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think um, Um, You know, this has been uh, kind of a game changer for me because I've always Mm -hmm. I've kind of I've always been a junkie around this. So I've always Mm -hmm. enjoyed Myers-Briggs and disc and, you know, all the different things that are out there that kind of been the standards for years. Right. Right. Um, This is the first one that um, I mean, there's all been, you know, good things and truth. And, you know, um, but this is the first one that I've been able to talk to other people about. Mm -hmm. They grasp onto the language and they start seeing it and it becomes part of our um, part of our conversation, mm-hmm. ongoing. It's not yeah. just a one and done. Hey, were you an I-N-T-what? Right. <laughs> you know, it was. it's just, you know, it's kind of become just part of the common language. Right. Which, <laughs> surprise, surprise, is part of the goal of leadership culture. Correct. Of creating a common language with your team. It totally So is. that you're on the same page, that you're talking about the same things, that right. so you have that common understanding. And so that's what I think the Five Voices has done for me, mm-hmm. is that... Um, I, I see insights into uh, relationships that I have, and right. insights into myself that I'm like, oh, that you know, right? I, I need to I need to work on that. You know, right. that that might be something that, because um, our greatest strengths can also be our greatest weaknesses. Agreed. And if you used your strength in the wrong place at the wrong time, it can be. It can be uh, frustrating for people. Totally. You know, um, I'm a I'm a dreamer. I'm a big picture. Yep. You know, I love that. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in a meeting that is all about the details and in the weeds of how we're going to get from here to there by tomorrow. Yep. And oh, right. I want to pull everything out of the weeds and I want to look at the big picture, which right. frustrates all the people that enjoy getting things done and checking right. stuff off. And I don't want to be that. I don't right. want to do that. And so this has been super helpful for me. Yeah. And so... um. So, just wanted to go back over the voices. Okay, um, and there's a there's a specific order to this that we're mm-hmm. going to go from what what would be considered kind of the quietest voice mm-hmm. in the room. Okay. They, if you know, if you're on a leadership team, if you're in an organization, you want to have a really good balance of these, um, so that you're not. You're not all coming from the exact same direction, right? You're gonna you're gonna go in circles at times right. if that's the case. Totally. So you want to have a balance, and in that, some of the voices are softer and louder than others.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we're gonna start with the softest voice, okay? Because if you're in a team, yeah. that's the person you wanna you want to give input first, right? Because those louder voices can can shut it down, right? And so um, we're gonna talk about the nurturer first, okay? Um, the nurturer is your champion of people, mm-hmm. they uh, they're your relational harmony. In okay. an organization, on a team, in a family, um, they're the ones like you know a, a car engine that, that runs with all these metal parts abrasive against each other. Mm-hmm. You have to keep oil in your engine or it locks up. Right. The nurture is that relational oil in your organization. Mm. Um, they that champion good. people and values. Mm. And the nurtures actually represent about 43% of the population. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a nurture, and uh, real quickly, you're a blend of all five voices. Okay. So even if you're not a nurturer first voice, you do have some nurture within you. Um, it just gets, how often does it come out? Right. How much energy does it take to come out? Right. And how does it get filtered by your primary voices? Yes. Okay. So um, the nurturer just loves people, and they're very, uh, very much oriented in the present. Mm-hmm. Meaning, um, you know, they're, they're concerned about the here and now. Mm-hmm. What's happening today, the decisions we make today, how does that affect people? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you've got people on your organization at the farthest end of the reach, maybe from your exec team, Mm -hmm. the nurturer intuitively understands how that person will react to something that seems very distant to them. Even does that make sense? Yeah. And so they'll understand the ripples of decisions and strategies and, you know, things that you implement throughout your team and your organization. They'll understand that for other people as well. They put themselves in other shoes really easy. Um, you know that relational harmony is just key. That's that's what they're they're fighting for. Okay. Um, sometimes even above profit. Really. Okay. Even above you know hey we've got a goal we got to get down you know get done by the end of this quarter. Um, if that's going to disrupt the harmony of the team and the organization, mm-hmm. uh, we can push that back a quarter. <laughs> right. They're going to be they're going to be willing to make those types of decisions. Mm-hmm. And they're the relational red flags in the room of going hey people slow down. Right. You know, is this a cost we... You know, there's a people That's cost horrible. to these right. decisions. So um, a way that you can liberate nurturers, help them to feel free to lead in their voice. Okay. Because they are the quietest. Right. They will tend to not speak up. Right. Okay? Um, and because, you know, in part they kind of worry... About the leader, about the relational side right. Of things. Right. If I bring an idea or if I bring some feedback or something, mm. how's that going to affect? Right. You know? So a, a great way to liberate nurtures would be to say you know hey we absolutely value your contribution mm-hmm. and we want to take the time to to draw out what you think mm-hmm. that make it make it that relational aspect of no i absolutely value yeah i want to hear what you have to say and i'm willing to sit and listen mm-hmm. and draw that out and right. i'm willing to invest and believe in you that um that you are good enough i All mean right. nurtures um have the tendency to feel like I don't, I don't belong at the table.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know why I have this seat. I don't know why I have a position of leadership. Mm-hmm. And so, building into them and saying, "No, I absolutely believe in you. You deserve this spot. You bring value to this team. Tell me what you're thinking.
0: Mm. Spend yep. quality
1: time with them. Right. You know, just spend time, get to know them, ask about their family, right. their friendships, their relationships. Care for others, even when you may not feel it's that important. Mm-hmm. Because some of the voices are a little more task oriented. I was going to say. I and think so if speaking you're, to one of those voices. If you're leaning toward tasks, yes. sit down with a nurturer and say, how you
0: doing? Right. You know, that, that, that's, that's huge. That's truly a cultural thing. Like we were talking about earlier. Like it's a cultural thing to be able to have the position or get put in a position where you can recognize that you're, you have value in your opinion. Right. Right. Cause right. that, so in this, this framing of, um, gives us a great, um, Opportunity to look into these different things and help bring these things out. Like, right. this is great. Right. Like you said, it's the language that helps us get to the Absolutely. better good. Absolutely, just great.
1: Yeah, and each of these voices do have a what we call a weapon system. Mm-hmm. Okay, that you can use your voice for good. Mm-hmm. So you can bring that nurturing, relational, oil care to a team environment. Right. Right. But you can also use your voice as a weapon, and this is this is. Supplies to all five voices. All okay. Right? So the weapon system for a nurturer um, is not actually an active one. It's a passive one. They will withhold care. Oh. So that relational care, that relational oil, mm-hmm. they, will, they will withhold that. And so that, that tends to happen when something triggers their values or mm-hmm. the relational harmony or it triggers, um, there's a pressure, there's a stress, there's something that, um, you know, it causes that, that weapon to come out. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, some of the triggers for nurturers can be feeling like they're taken for granted. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they may not understand why do I have a place at the table, but even when I do throw something out, you take it and own my idea, and you, why am I here? Right. <laughs> they feel taken for granted. They feel like they're not heard. They right. are the softest voice. So, you know, taking the time to make sure they feel like they're heard, or the values are being ignored. Right. That, um, you know, that people that they care about it may not even be direct to them but right. somebody else is being that you they know, care about at, treated unfairly they yeah. care about them and yeah so hmm, i'm done right and so for a, n- a nurturer it becomes very transactional mm-hmm. that the care you know which for a task oriented person may never notice the difference right because <laughs> it's about you know about getting things done and mm-hmm. a nurturer will not necessarily make waves they'll just withhold care and it becomes a little more cold, a little more transactional. Yeah. And you know, you lose that voice in your organization, on your team. And mm-hmm. that's
0: that that hurts. Well, and it's like you said, it's like it's pulling the oil out of the engine. Like yeah. you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like where the abrasiveness comes out because you don't have that relational right. oil there. Right. And that is huge. Yeah. It's I have so a, real.
1: I have a good friend that um, that lost a car mm-hmm. because um, there'd been a modification to the exhaust system the car had actually been burning oil Mm. and had only owned it two weeks and the engine froze. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And had no idea because of how the modification happened. You couldn't see it. There was no evidence that this car was, it was, it was, it was rough. And so that's what we risk if we don't value our nurturers in our lives. And the nurturers are 43% of the population. Right. So there's a good chance on your team. Mm -hmm. You've got some pretty strong nurturers, either first voice or at least second voice. Right. So
0: wow, that was that was really good.
1: Yeah, nurtures can easily be overlooked uh-huh. And um, you know part of understanding the five voices is bringing value
0: to every voice because uh-huh. every voice is necessary. every voice needs to be heard right. and valued and doing it in a healthy fashion, right? So because yeah. like you said, every one of these voices can have a weapon side of it as well. Sure. And I'm sure that if we the better we understand it and use it in our culture to recognize it for what it is, the healthier we can all be, the healthier we can work together. Right. I love that idea. Right. I love that right. idea.
1: Absolutely. So, so, stay tuned for the next four episodes where we talk about the other four voices. Yeah. Next week will be the creative. Okay. Um, that's the next as we move up the the volume chart of voices. Creative is the next uh, next quietest voice from the nurture. Okay. So, um, and then we'll eventually get to the louder voices. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> we can
0: we can dive into those too. So we've got a great
1: interview coming. We today. do. I'm excited about this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is really cool. Another um, another young leader in our community, um, yep. Kim Jewell. Mm-hmm. Um, she's with Kim Jewell, uh, or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Jewel Law Office, mm-hmm. and uh, works she's in the here area. Here locally of, in Greenwood. Yep, and works in the area of of uh, elder law. She okay. does helping families navigate Medicaid and waiver and. All that stuff. Yeah. There's I mean, a whole lot of stuff
0: there. Yeah. So buckle up. Uh, this is this is going to be a great interview in and terms of some great information. Even if you're not in this predicament, like I would tell you to stay tuned because there's some great, she has a great amount of wisdom and I'm looking forward to her with her sharing that with us.
1: Yeah. And this is not just, um, I mean, this is not just about family. I mean, there, this has touches within our you know, as business owners yeah. and leaders. And, um, in our current life,
0: in our current position.
1: Yeah, life, totally. To,
0: to plan better
1: for the future, yeah. too. So, yeah. stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. We'll be back with Kim here in just a moment. Well, hi, Kim. Hello. How you doing?
2: Good, thanks. How are you?
1: Doing good. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, Thank thanks you. for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Yeah. So, for tell us me. a
1: little bit about who you are and how you kind of got to where you're at today.
2: Well, I am Kim Jewell. I, uh, the long story, uh, not so long though, is I'm from, born and raised in Bloomington, Indiana, um, grew up IU world and then went away for college, never wanted to be an attorney. My husband wanted to be an attorney and I went into financial planning. So after Hmm. graduating from undergrad, uh, I took all of my licensures, was a licensed, um, financial planner and i managed a bunch of financial planners all over the state of indiana and then a little bit in northern illinois oh well wow. uh the company wasn't doing very well and Oof. i didn't really want to go to one of the big names out there and so i was trying to figure out what i should do next and talk to my aunt during a birthday party and she said well why don't you become an elder law attorney i thought i don't know I, it never crossed my mind <laughs> at all. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to be an attorney. I did not want to be in the courtroom. I had I all of those movies that you see where they're <laughs> in the courtroom, you know, yelling things that just didn't appeal to me at all. And so for whatever reason, it hadn't crossed my mind that you could be an attorney and not be in a courtroom. Oh, hmm. So after that, I talked to my husband because I said, you know, you're know, you the one that wanted to be an attorney. You got into law school, you deferred your your admission because of a job that I got. Uh, he ended up working for the prosecutor's office in our hometown for a while and then said, mm, maybe law's not for me. Oh, hmm. uh, but I wanted his support right. in yeah. becoming a lawyer, doing his dream, um, <laughs> and thankfully he was amazing. He said, absolutely, go for it. If this is something you think you wanna do, you should do it. So I applied to law school. Um, During that process, I I had to leave the financial planning company, went into banking, so learned a lot about um, retail banking. From there, got into law school, uh, met an attorney through the bank where Uh I was still working, and she is the attorney who truly wrote the books that all of the other attorneys in our area of law use for estate planning and estate administrations and guardianships. Oh, wow. Hmm. And... She's amazing. She's she's still alive. She's in her late seventies and still practicing. Oh my god! Wow. And she took time for me as a law student to uh, we would go like once a week or once every other week, and she'd say, "Kim, we're going to go have a lesson." And so we would go into the conference room, and she would say, "Today you're going to learn about whatever X," mm-hmm. and she would go through the whole thing and explain it to me, and it was better education than i could have ever received in law wow. school oh, Wow! Oh um, law school teaches you to learn and think like a lawyer mm-hmm. but not actually to be a lawyer okay. uh, whereas this attorney was teaching me how to be a lawyer right right um unfortunately we disagreed on whether or not a woman can have children and be successful as a lawyer And I felt that I could do it, and she said that nobody, no female, could have children and be a successful lawyer. Mm. So when I graduated from law school, I went to work for a bank. Uh, I was handling estate administrations. So when somebody generally with a a good amount of money passed away, they would name the bank as their personal representative to wrap up their final affairs, make distributions to their, their kids. Okay. And so I worked for them for quite some time, or I don't know, four years. felt like quite some time <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. handling the state administrations. It was great. I, I enjoyed it. I learned a ton. Uh-huh. It was a really great opportunity for me to see kind of the backside of what I had done when I worked for the previous attorney because I was working with people when they were alive. Right. We were doing estate plans. We were, we were trying to put things into place. Once somebody passes away... Those documents can't be changed. right? And so I was then trying to administer, and sometimes I would look at a document and I'd say, I, I don't actually know what this attorney is trying to say here. <laughs> I'm not oh sure <laughs> what this is supposed to, right. Yeah, I'm not sure who this is supposed to go to. Or it says it's supposed to go to this, but then it doesn't say what happens if that person also passed away. So mm-hmm. I, I really learned a lot of really important, important drafting information or, mm-hmm. or kind of mental knowledge for future. How not to do it. Yeah, <laughs> <and> how, <laughs> how to make sure that my documents were understandable after there somebody passed so, away. So somebody else doesn't have that yeah, problem. Yeah, so in case it wasn't me administering the, their estate administration, that somebody else could could know what, was, what the deceased person's wishes were. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there then I went to work for a, a small law firm that really focused more on elder law. So we, they focused most of their practice on um, Medicaid qualifications for um, people who need assistance paying for nursing homes. They also do the estate planning, also do the probate administration. In this particular instance, I had the amazing opportunity to work for an attorney who wrote the test that other attorneys take to be certified elder law attorneys? He okay. can't be one because he wrote the test. Oh, um, so <laughs> it's it's <laughs> kind of silly. Yeah, he can't he cannot take the test because he wrote the test. Yeah. So therefore, he is not considered a certified elder law attorney because he can't take it. Um, I now qualify. I've been in practice as an elder law attorney actively for um, an five years. But I don't have time to study for it at the moment. But I'd really like to go that route and get that certification so I can formally call myself an elder law attorney. Okay. So right now I'm an attorney who practices in the area of elder law.
1: Oh, gotcha. Um, Okay.
2: And then about two years ago, I went on my own, hung my own shingle. I now have Jewel Law Office um, in the Greenwood area, so I'm a little bit closer to home than I was previously. And uh, have a, a bit of freedom, kind of, sort of, to you know, get to kids' sporting events and right. and uh, handle all of the mom stuff, uh, homework, things like that. So
0: that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wow, you've had an amazing um, time with some very intricate people in your journey that have been very, I'm sure, influential for you.
2: Incredibly, I am so incredibly grateful for the journey I've taken to get here. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned early on, I never wanted to be an attorney. I know. It was not at all on my agenda. Mm -hmm. I wanted nothing to do with it. And I just feel so incredibly fortunate that I have had the most amazing people in my life, and the history that now helps me to do my job, in my opinion, well. Right, um, because I have the financial background. I have I can read a statement. If somebody brings me their financial um, retirement statement or investment statement, they usually say, "I have no idea what this is. Just right. yeah, you tell me." There's and, numbers. Right. Yeah. There's numbers <laughs> yeah. and words, and I don't know what they say, and and um, I I have a good understanding of a lot of those now you know, there's more financial planning companies out now than there were when I was practicing Mm -hmm. and I don't have my licenses anymore. So I don't do any of that, Okay, but I still have enough knowledge that I can look at a statement and say, Oh, okay. I know what this is. I know, you know what that is. So, right. Cool.
1: Well, I'm curious because most people one, are probably just as surprised as Chris and I at the moment going, Oh, you don't have to be in the courtroom. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) You do not.
1: Um, but, you know, beyond the legalese, the financial statements, the words, the numbers, you know, all of that stuff, what what for you has been like that intangible benefit of practicing in the area of elder law, of, you know, of helping families like this? What is that? Tell us a little bit about that, the human side of the journey, not just the legalese the legalized. side. The yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, The whole reason that I wanted to go into this area is, one, I absolutely love working with the the older demographic. Hmm. I could sit and listen to stories told by (laughs) people who have lived longer than me forever. And I'll listen to the same story five times. I don't care. I have so (laughs) much patience with with an older adult. It's not even funny. Mm. I should not be a teacher. Uh, the kids telling me the same thing. I'm like, yeah, you already told me that. But <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I don't know why. I just, I yeah. for me, it's adults. My sister's a teacher, or, or was until recently. She could handle the kids all right. day long. Right. Right. Um, but I just feel um, one of the main reasons that I left the bank and went into private practice um, is because I wanted to really help people mm-hmm. and. Not that people with a lot of money don't need help, right? But Mm -hmm. um, it was really challenging for me when somebody would call and say, Hey, before my mom died, she was giving me four thousand dollars every single month just so I could pay my bills. Uh, I want that four thousand dollars, or could you just go ahead and make a million dollar distribution to me because I need to, to whatever? Oh, wow, and I'd say, Well. I'm really sorry that your mom was supporting you to that extent right. um, and in your 50s. Um, but I, she didn't make provisions in her will for me to continue to make $4,000 a month distributions mm-hmm. to you. Um, now, whether or not that was an error in drafting or whether that was intentional on her part, I don't know. Right. I just had to follow the document. Hmm. And a lot of times it was hard for me because these people were just expecting me to hand out money to them and they weren't going out and getting a job or doing anything to try to help themselves to pay their own bills. Right. Oh, well. So I really wanted to help what I call the everyday person, <laughs> people more like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, people were, you know, the people that I'm working with have worked hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They've mm-hmm. saved. yeah, They've tried to do the right things. And for whatever reason, life has handed them kind of a, a bad situation or a situation uh-huh. that they're not prepared for. Right. And so I want to help. I want to be able to step in when somebody's going through a really probably very emotional, yes. likely traumatic mm-hmm. experience and yeah. I can help them along the way cuz I know what they need to do in order to get the assistance that they need and they can qualify for. And I can help them through that. Mm. Um, and I generally can do it very compassionately. Right. Um, and that's what I want. I just, I always try to think if I were going through this situation, right. how would I want somebody helping me through this? And I want to yeah. be that for other people.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: We, um, um, we took care of my mother-in-law because she was diagnosed with cancer at a very young age. Oh, I'm sorry. And um, I mean, it's been. Uh, if my wife is listening, she's gonna be on me for not being able to count well. But <laughs> it's it's been twenty years, okay. give or take. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, things like that just hit and overwhelmed so quickly. It was a mm-hmm. um, barely a year's journey from diagnosis. And oh, so, um, what are what are some assistance things that people you know need to be aware of that when things like that hit, um, you know our first thought was not to turn to an attorney. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that area of practice even helped, you sure. know, it was there. So um, what are some resources, some assistance, things that, that people need to be aware of?
2: I think that one of the big things that I try to talk to people about when I hear that there's been some sort of diagnosis or change, substantial change in circumstance is your general estate planning documents. So mm-hmm. does the person who is, is likely going to need some assistance, have they formally named somebody or multiple people to help them through this process. Um, That means, more specifically, have they named a power of attorney? Mm -hmm. A power of attorney document, I often say, is a document that you really need when you need it, but if you don't have it at the time that you need it, it's probably too late to get one. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a document that allows somebody to step in on your behalf and handle financial transactions. The type of power of attorney I do most often is effective as soon as the document is signed. Meaning, if you name uh, your wife as your power of attorney, uh-huh. it's effective the moment you sign that document. Now, that doesn't mean she has to go out and start handling all of the banking and that yeah. you can't do the banking yourself. It just means if you say, hey, I've got a work trip. i got to be out of town. We're selling the house. I need you as my power of attorney to sign off on the closing of the house. And then when you come back, you still handle all of your banking, all of that. So it doesn't really change your ability to make your own decisions. But it allows somebody else to seamlessly step in. So if you've got somebody going through a cancer diagnosis and they're trying to do treatments, uh, my understanding is that there's going to be days where you have, you just don't want to get out of bed. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. just feel horrible. Mm -hmm. And other days, maybe between treatments, where you're starting to feel a bit more like yourself. So a power of attorney would allow somebody else to go out on your behalf when you're Mm -hmm. stuck in bed not feeling well but then you can go to the bank yourself when you You feel feel okay yeah Yeah. right right Um, in addition to that then a healthcare directive making sure that the doctors know who to talk to if you can't tell them what your medical care should be Mm -hmm. Um, for somebody with cancer diagnosis i would imagine that most of the time they have the mental cognition to be Mm -hmm. able to have those conversations Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, especially with cancer and some other diagnoses, as you get further along in that process, there's more sleep, mm-hmm. um, less ability to communicate mm-hmm. with the doctors as to what your wants and needs are. Um, the ones that I see, I always say, as quickly as possible after a diagnosis, and I'm starting to hear that uh, neurologists are, are telling patients to go see uh, oh, an attorney. attorney right away, is uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, Things like right. that because you're yeah. going to decline right hmm. um in addition to uh, the advanced directive which tells who should make medical decisions for you and what medical decisions should be made i usually do a hipaa document mm-hmm. i just want to make sure that the people you've named have access to your medical information instead of just a uh, say yes or no <laughs> right <laughs> and, right and they can get some information behind it and then a really important document of course with that is a last will and testament that's your opportunity to say who should be responsible for wrapping up your final affairs, and w- who should receive your assets when you pass. Whether it's your children, your grandchildren, the church, um, your favorite charity, whatever the case may be, we want to make sure that your wishes are followed, mm-hmm. and that's where the last will and testament gives you that opportunity.
0: man mm-hmm. that you know, I, I don't. I told you before we got on the the air that you know. I went through some of this and those things, if you take anything away from this podcast, I feel like those are such key things at this very moment that if you just embark on some of that, like a, I've got family that are going through health problems right now too, that we're trying to encourage them to think about some of those things. Cause these things are huge. And like you talked about Jason, like it turns emotional because it, that whole part oh, yeah. of life when there's a diagnosis and then you have the process of dementia or cancer or, you know, you name it. Like, the, it just, there's a, there's a process that, that um, whatever that health thing is going to go through, if you can be on the front side of it to try to make sure that on the back side, if something goes wrong and you don't make it, then the people around you know what you wanted. Because nine times out of ten, like, you know, they most people want, wanted what that person wanted, uh, you know, as far as mm-hmm. what they wanted with their estate. But if you don't make it known,
2: exactly. then it turns
0: into a little bit of a battle. Like, well, dad said I could have this and dad said I could have that. and
2: <laughs> Very much so. And it, you, <laughs> yeah. hate,
0: you hate to have that, you know, I would hate for my estate to be a problem instead of a blessing. Yes. You know what I mean? And I'm yeah. sure you bumped into that a time or two where yes. what was supposed to be a blessing has turned into almost a negative
2: it has, and I, I really try to avoid those. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit of when I start to meet with families, I'm trying to understand not only the situation, you mm-hmm. know, let me see the document itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if, it, in addition to that, tell me family dynamics. Right. <laughs> Does everyone right. get along? What, what do we have? Because it's not uncommon when all of a sudden you've often lost – the matriarch or the patriarch of your family, kind of the glue that's held mm-hmm. everybody together. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, that thing that Tommy did to me when I was nine, I'm I haven't forgotten about that, right. and I am bound and determined to make him remember that he did me wrong, <laughs> right. fifty years ago. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. Right. Um, so you know, I, I again, I try to avoid those. I refer them off, often, refer them on to attorneys that handle that do the courtroom, the litigation for right. that, but. Right. You know, I think a lot of, you know, I mentioned the power of attorney. If you, you don't know you need it until you need it, and if mm-hmm. you don't have one, it's probably too mm-hmm. late or it may very well be too late. The alternative option to that is a formal guardianship, meaning we have to get the court involved. Mm-hmm. We have to have a doctor determine that you are an incapacitated person. We have to um, have everybody come to an agreement that some other person should be your guardian, meaning... They are the one who makes decisions with regard to finances and your health care, whether you like them or not. Right. Because the courts determined that you can't make those decisions anymore. All of your information is public. I have to put it all. I have to file it all through the court. Your bank accounts, transactions in your bank accounts. um, Oh,
0: my goodness. Financial.
2: Yeah. I, I every two years I have to file it with the court. Now I I block out account numbers. I was gonna
0: say surely not account numbers, not full account numbers. Yeah. There are
2: some protections to make sure that they are protected. But, but in theory, anybody could of, go on to the court's website and oh say goodness. Well, this person's under guardianship, this is the person who's responsible, and here's how much money that person has. Now wow. I don't find that people tend to go through right. that system and, and look for that <laughs> right, type of right, stuff. Right. But it is a possibility. Mm-hmm. So um, and that
1: and help me. Uh, <clears throat> I want to make sure I'm clear on this. That only occurs if the previous resources that we talked about are not, not in used. place. Right. So right. So if right. you do not right.
2: have a power of attorney or potentially an advanced directive. Right. Right.
1: So that step is stuff that is taken if you're not prepared and mm-hmm. okay. Gotcha. I will say gotcha.
2: occasionally we will have a situation where we have a power of attorney document. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still have to seek guardianship and that's typically in my experience it has been because somebody has a memory loss um, issue of some kind mm-hmm. and they're not willing to give up that control yet but they clearly cannot do it anymore right. mm, um, okay. I the reason we do the power of attorney is to try to avoid mm-hmm. <laughs> the guardianship route mm-hmm. um, gotcha. and typically it, it helps yep. very occasionally does it not
1: so question then um, all of these situations likely end in—I uh, mean, it's a death situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a end of life or chronic, long-term care. Um, so, what does a win look like? What does a win look like for you?
2: It, in my opinion, it's making sure that the the decedent or whoever is is not doing well, mm-hmm. um, that their wishes are followed. Mm. in in reality there's a lot of people that are going to step in and give their opinions as to what should be happening (laughs) and and most of the time i think they're just trying to be helpful
1: Right, Mm -hmm. right
2: right but that's not necessarily always what the person wants and so my goal is just to make sure that the right person is representing them whether that's A close family member or I have people come in and say I don't want this to cause rift between my children Mm -hmm. Um, so I would like to name a third party or I'd like to name my friend or I feel very comfortable with my sibling handling this so that my kids don't have to Uh, or people are spread out throughout the world these days and sometimes your kids are are not even in the state of Indiana or maybe not even in the US and so it makes more sense to name somebody that they're very close to uh, locally
0: Hmm, right hmm. that's awesome. I mean so since you've hung your own shingle out mm-hmm. have you do you feel like you've been able to uh, like when your, your passion definitely comes through so I'm curious to know, do you feel like you've been able to um, uh, tackle some of the abilities of helping the people that you couldn't when you were at the bank?
2: Definitely. Okay. It's, it's a little bit er- different area well, of law anyway right. but yes, <laughs> I, I definitely feel like I'm able to help the everyday person now that's
1: can we, awesome yeah. can we pause real quick yeah explain just in case because this is a very new cliche for me or phrase hanging your own shingle oh. explain that real quick so, just in case so if you just in case somebody listens like once, what once you start, <laughs> When you start i'm
2: not putting shingles on houses right? <laughs> really I should not elder no. care and roofing yeah right. <laughs> one-stop shop
1: <laughs> yeah so explain that real quick just so, so that
0: everybody understands you want to? No, go right ahead. Okay, so if you, you're working for somebody else and you go out and you start your own business, it's often referred to as going out and hanging out your own shingle. Okay. So, yeah. just, so just for you, clarity's sake, that's, that's you went hard. out <laughs> on your own <laughs> two, two years ago, correct? It,
2: no, it was Ball, the week of Thanksgiving two ballpark. years ago. So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So how many, how many people will you say that you've been able to help, just to give me a rough number, since you've started?
2: Oh my goodness.
0: Um, it doesn't even have to be, just give me a ballpark.
2: Oh, gosh. I would say... It's like
0: two twenty-five. Oh,
2: gosh. Uh, it, I would say five five to ten people a month for 24 months. Oh, my months. goodness. Congrats. That's um, awesome. If not more. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm helping each of them in their own way for right. whatever they need. Sometimes and those it are is. family units.
1: Right. Yeah. So that might be small family units or very large family units. Yeah.
2: hmm
0: And so... And probably multiple facets, too. hmm
2: Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's helping them with an estate plan, like we've talked about, needing right. that. Mm-hmm. Um or Medicaid qualifications for people who find themselves in need of nursing home level of care right. and have not yet planned for that. And,
0: and for those that are listening to this, if you don't know, like it's, you have made it sound very simple. And fortunately, um, for, or unfortunately, I've been through some of this and it is not at all. It is all. not, no. Like there is processes that you've already had in place that make this simple, but I know from past experience and working with multiple tyrannies prior to meeting you, mm-hmm. um, that didn't go smoothly, that didn't end with the way we wanted them to, and we actually had to change. Right. So I know if you're listening to this, this is not as simple as she makes it, but I can <laughs> honestly tell you, I love the fact that your passion's there. I love the fact that you're able to help so many people, and especially with something that has, I mean, if we were to look at the law with some of this, there's a lot of um, underlying rules and regulations to this, isn't there?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, in so for my estate planning and estate administration practice, I'm looking at Indiana state law. I'm looking at the probate code, is what we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm I'm looking for for my guidance. When I'm looking at Medicaid qualifications, that's an entirely separate set of rules right. <laughs> that mm. may or may not.
0: And how thick are those books?
2: Uh, I've not uh, <laughs> hundreds of pages. Yes, it, it, it truly is, and, and they change. Uh, Regularly, Mm -hmm. I will say one of the blessings during the pandemic is they haven't been allowed to change the rules. And so I have had the same set of rules to process all of my Medicaid qualifications, uh, cases through since March of 2020 and uh, we're still considered under the public health emergency. So they're still not allowed to change those rules right now. It's supposed to end October 15th. The rumor is they may extend that to December. Uh, But, I'm. I, I mean, I want the. I would love for COVID to go away. Right. However, I kind of like the the lack of rule changing. The <laughs> consistency's <laughs> been nice. Yeah. It's been very nice because it changes a lot, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it can change regularly. Um, okay. They have to tell us. There's a whole section I have to go to to see what they've changed, mm-hmm. and they even have to report if they change punctuation mm-hmm. because it didn't have a period or it needed a comma. So it, you have to wade through, oh, okay, Lord. was it just, you know, adding grammatical appropriate <laughs> versus grammatical code, yeah, yeah versus actual, you know, legal uh, changes. So wow. yeah, How it's, fun. it's, uh, yeah,
0: man. Yeah, so, you said it. How fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: no, that's probably the least fun part, but I'm, I'm grateful for that. They do share that with us and I don't right. have to read the whole thing yeah. every single time. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. So since we mentioned the hanging of shingles, <laughs>
2: <laughs> not on your room, <laughs> um,
1: what, um, what has been one of the biggest challenges for you that has come apart from the law practice, but actually starting your own small business,
2: not doing everything myself or okay. not trying to do everything myself. Um, it, I have, I have, regularly been pretty good about delegating tasks to other people Mm -hmm. but when you hang your own shingle there's nobody to delegate to yeah right and so it's you know trying to make sure that i have time to meet with people but then also set aside time for actual paperwork Mm
0: -hmm. setting aside
2: time for emails returning phone calls uh one of my big things is communication i really want to try to make sure that i'm getting back to my clients within Mm -hmm. You know 24 hours 48 mm-hmm. hours of their telephone call to me especially because if they're calling me there's probably some traumatic event going on and right. i don't want right. them to sit upset about what's going on and then also like why have i not heard from kim why has right. she mm-hmm. not called me back yeah. yet so uh, a lot of that's my own pressure i've put on myself mm-hmm. but i still again want to treat people the way i would want to be treated in the same right. type of situation so mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the biggest thing. So thankfully uh, my husband's actually a paralegal in a very similar area of law. Oh, cool. And so he it helps me with some of my drafting um, of estate planning stuff. He doesn't know the, the Medicaid area. And then uh, I share office space with another attorney who also has kind of a complementary practice area, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he and I have hired an assistant, and she's wonderful. That's so awesome. she's she's come in and really taken uh, phone calls <laughs> off of <Yeah>. my <laughs> That's list, uh, which is really great. She's wonderful. If she ever has a question, she comes straight to me. You know, how mm-hmm. do I answer this question? I'll call them right back so that they get their answers very quickly. That's, That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. She handles all of the scheduling of my appointments, which is good because, um, again, just I want to help so many people that I was right. like okay um, can somebody else get our kids this day and then they can take him to that and then I can meet with this extra client and it was really starting to impact my family right. because yeah. my husband's like I'm not a, a single parent here right. mm-hmm. um, we've, we've, we have we've need some contribution here too so um, and not in a bad way he no. you know, was very kind yeah, about healthy, it this but sounds like healthy boundary yeah. conversation well, that, yeah. right
1: yeah managing family like that takes so much energy totally yeah, does absolutely
2: yeah. so um, I said I need somebody else to be that front person because I will just keep trying to fit people in. Mm -hmm. And then I have no time to do paperwork. I have no time to return phone calls or emails and then I'm stressed and I'm just not a fun person to be around. So (laughs) um, she's done a wonderful job of helping me with that. Um, I'm hopeful to bring on somebody soon that can handle a bit more of the legal side as well. Um, mm-hmm. Meeting with clients, gathering paperwork. Um, as you unfortunately know, the Medicaid qualification process is very labor intensive. It's mm-hmm. a ton of paperwork.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the packets
2: that I submit to family and social services are often an inch to two inches thick, full Holy of paperwork. Smokes. Um, I submitted one before I came over here today, and it was that file is probably this thick. So, what, six, are you seven serious? inches thick? And I, w- I was submitting more paperwork. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's wow. a, a unique one, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but
0: still, I mean, it's like, that's yeah. one client. Mm-hmm. I mean, so mm-hmm. you're spending a lot of time on all that paperwork.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. And so sometimes people kind of, you know, re- <laughs> recoil when I tell them what my legal fee is, but I am doing a lot through yeah. the whole yeah. process. So,
0: and I, there's a lot for you to have to cover to make mm-hmm. sure that you're staying on top of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Which costs time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Which so. is amazing. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. So I would say my biggest challenge has been <coughs> finding people to delegate to. Um, right. But I'm working on that, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> trying to get that in place. And then Jason and I met and we talked about processes and procedures and how, for me, it makes the most sense to try to move forward. That's um, awesome. Whether it's hiring more support staff whether it's hiring another attorney or what that process might look like so that I can continue to provide the highest level of service that I would like to be providing Mm -hmm. to as many people as possible. Um, I really anticipate that as our baby boomers, Mm -hmm. continue to age that we're probably going to find ourselves in a situation where we have more and more people in need of nursing home level of care that maybe have not planned for that right and so i want to be as available as i can be Uh um, and i'm limited because i only have so many hours in the day too right Right. Um, right so i'm trying to figure out processes and procedures and uh, what the future of my business might look like, so that I can try to help as many as I can reasonably mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also take it very seriously. If I don't get somebody qualified when I feel like I should be getting them qualified, that could potentially be the difference of an extra eight to ten thousand dollars out of their pocket that they weren't planning on on being able to spend or mm-hmm. weren't able to spend. Right, right. And that that really weighs on me.
0: Right. Yeah. That's that's a heavy expense too for yeah, somebody is. that's in that predicament. That $10,000 is a lot of money. It it absolutely yeah. is. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's great, I got to say, it's great that you've been able to take the time to put the processes in place so that you cuz inevitably I see it feels like to me, Jason, you tell me you're probably better knowing about this, but it seems like when we put those processes in place, we can reach out more and do more to help more people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, when we streamline the back end. Right. We have more for Some that. Some of these things
0: that you're yeah. de- being able to delegate. Absolutely. That's awesome that mm-hmm. you've been able Absolutely. to do And it's easier
1: that. to bring on the support staff. It's bring, easier to bring on another attorney to say, here's, you know, everything from mission, vision, values to here's how we handle phone calls, you know, right. every, from the top to bottom, you know, here's our, here's our culture, here's our system, here's how we, you know, deal with things. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you were to start all this over, Okay. Uh-huh. Go back, rewind two to, to you know four or five years. <laughs> um, how would you do things just a little bit differently? What would you catch in those early days that you're
2: <laughs> the processes and procedures before I even okay. got out on my <laughs> own? <you> need them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's actually oh, really. Because it's all been in my head, and so again, when yeah. I had nobody to delegate to, I had it in my head, which really wasn't a good plan anyway. Um, but yeah, I would have done it much sooner. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, very cool. Yeah. That's interesting. What's maybe the best piece of advice that you have ever received, whether it was from your education, from some of your mentors, um, advice that you've just carried on through the years that's been critical and key to you?
2: I I really think my dad's favorite is Jiminy Cricket, Um, conscious. Always let your conscious be your guide. Hmm. I think just trying to do right by people, making sure that if it's important to me, that I'm doing right by people, that that's what I'm doing, and that right. my goal be heading in that direction.
1: That's awesome. Wow. That's good. I was not
0: expecting a Disney quote, but. I
2: mean, I'm a huge Disney fan. Well, yeah. Right. But so, I mean, uh, it was good. It's solid. It is. Like, was, yeah.
0: It is good. It kind of just goes back to the same thing, which is oftentimes is the simple stuff is, mm-hmm. is the important stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I can't
2: tell you the last time I saw Pinocchio, but I definitely know who Jiminy Cricket is. That's right. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: That's
1: awesome. Well, Kim, how if somebody is, you know, sitting out there going, um, you know, we've got a situation approaching that we should probably get some guidance on. How would they get a hold of you? How would they find you?
2: Um, Yeah, they can go to my website, which is uh, jewelelderlaw.com, and Jewel has two L's, so J-E-W-E-L-L-E-L-D-E-R-L-A-W.com, or my phone number is uh, 317-705-8805. Um, I always offer no obligation initial consultations. So I know a lot of people are really frightened of attorneys or mm-hmm. we have a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, I promise I'm not like the rest of, of them. And there are some really great attorneys out there. No, yeah. But um, I, I just, I wanna sit down with each person, look at their specific situation mm-hmm. and give them advice based on their specifics. Cause I've mm-hmm. never had two people walk into my office with the exact same situation. Um, If they say, you know, thank you so much for the information, there's nothing that we want for you to do right now, then they don't owe me anything for that first meeting. They at least have the right information so that they can proceed from there. Mm -hmm. Um, If I do legal work for them, then I give them a quote for what that would be.
0: Mm -hmm. Right,
1: right. Okay, cool. I mean, I think, at least in my mind, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, in moments of crisis, the, you know, the nurture that I need to turn to lawyer is not at the top of the list. No. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that perception has been changed just sitting here talking to you. Oh, thank They're you. they like, I'll call Kim. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. You're, you're passionate and <laughs> nurturing of that. It just is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining yeah. us and sharing your, your stuff with us today. Thank yeah. you
2: so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. We're glad to have you. All right,
1: we'll be back here in just a moment.
0: Jason, I, you know, I'm so thankful that you invited her to be involved with um, our podcast today because it is she just gave so much great information that yeah. I'm sure that as a business leader, these things are kind of or even even not as a business leader, even as just somebody that's, you know, trying to work through life. Like some of these things are huge just in case. Right. I mean,
1: yes, Kim is focused around elder law. Right. But as, you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're a business owner, mm-hmm. you need to be thinking about your business in right. terms of, you know, what if what if tragedy strikes you? Right. You know, whether that's on a business trip or your family vacation or, yeah. you know, it is an end of life or, you know, a diagnosis of some sort. Um, who has the keys
0: to the kingdom? Right. You know. And, and it's going to affect the, the people that you love the most. Right. Like, so if you don't set that up right, it it can go it it cannot go like it can go with the way you don't want it to right and truly like i'm sure that you thought about this too it's like you don't want what you've worked hard to build for to become a burden for the people after you right like it the whole purpose of why we do what we do is probably to 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 bless our family right if that right. turns into a burden like it's kind of all for naught i feel like yeah and yeah. I, maybe that's just my feeling but i just well, I mean, it they creates- might
1: they might eventually get the the legacy you want to leave. Right. But it's it's like you said a burden. And yeah. you mentioned I think this during during the interview is I want it to be a blessing. Right. You know, and so how can you set things up in advance so that things just go so much smoother for your mm-hmm. family at some point, yeah. you know? And uh, you know, and these it I think people are probably thinking, "Wow, well, this is so morbid to think about." Right. But I mean, you plan for your next vacation. Right. You plan for we the next pro- business you want to open. Right. You plan for retirement. You plan... Why not plan for this? Right. I mean, we're all dying. Right. Well, and truly, <laughs> we're, like... We're all two minutes closer to dying than when we started this, this outro. Time, right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so we need to plan for it. Yeah. And, and it's mean, not morbid.
0: Well, and it's it's not just that, too. It's also the stuff that, that the accidents, the, you know, the stuff that happens, like, randomly. I just had a friend get hurt at the, at, yeah. the, at a lake not too long ago. And, I mean, he's going to be fine. But it's like, well, it could have not been fine. Right. And right. if I wasn't, like, am I ready for that? Like, mm-hmm. um, I know recently my wife and I met with another attorney prior to me, um uh, meeting Kim. And I just, I was like, wow, I just, man, I, you don't think about some of these things and they are so important.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I lost my train of thought going into this, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I really,
0: Um, um, thanks for inviting her today and thanks for, um, yeah, I'm so thankful that she came and shared what she did and, I kind of felt like we got got off a little bit and didn't really talk about her story as much, but she had so much great information for people that are listening that it was right. kind of hard to, to stop her because it's such important stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of the things that her and I've been talking about, you know, her, her passion just bleeds through. It totally does. Her desire just to serve and help people, mm-hmm. you know, which unfortunately, you know, there's so many lawyer jokes out there, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> none of them joke about that, you know, <laughs> right. um, but she truly does bring a comfort yes. in that end-of-life planning. Oh, I remember what it was. Now there's my train of thought back that um, how complicated today is compared Ugh. to 10 years ago right? with all of the advancements of digital technology and now... I can get into my bank account, bank account with my with my face ID, right, or a thumbprint, right. Not at, you know. But how many stinking passwords do we have? For sure. How does power of attorney affect that? I mean, oh my goodness, That's, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So these are things we should be thinking about, right? You know, in in all realms of our lives, yeah. and um,
0: take yeah, this, take this opportunity to th- make sure you're thinking through this stuff, right? Because. Um this is one of those wake up call moments that hey, if you right. if you don't do something with this information, you're and probably gonna be upset with yourself. Now later. is the time to interview people like him.
1: Yes. To you know, sit down with the, you know, in that initial consultation and learn what that lawyer's goals are. Mm-hmm. You know, is it to help nurture and take care of right. you know, like Kim does? Right. I mean, that's the person you want. So
0: Yeah, and I mean if anything, we've definitely learned that her passion just comes through for her people yes she is just a phenomenal lady and ex- I'm super excited about her her um her being able to hold hang out her own shingle yeah and and be able to serve those people well right, right. super exciting which is exactly what we wanted on this podcast absolutely just rock star people like absolutely that. so
1: look up um you know jewel Law office mm-hmm. or- and we'll have her, uh, her information. <laughs> we'll have her information in the show notes uh, that good. you can just click on easily and go to her website, um, give her a call, give her call. Um, and uh, yeah, we're uh, we're just excited to know people like Kim and yeah, and have the opportunity to sit down with her. So you guys give us a like, uh, subscribe, yeah. um, send us an email if there's something you got questions about. Um, we'd love to, um, yeah, we'd love to chat with you for sure. So thanks again. Keep leading the serving and fighting for the highest good of others. Have a great day. Catch you later.